Hey, Zuko, I got a surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Sandy! Teddy? What are you, what are you doing here? I, I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plan. I can't... Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is, rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? <laughs> What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? <laughs> what happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach? Well, I do not know. I mean, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe there's two of us, right? <laughs> why, why, why don't you take out a missing persons ad or, or, or try the yellow pages? I don't know. <laughs> You're a fake and a phony, and I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. Whoa. What the hell is in those bags? Rabbit weasels. What? What the hell are you doing with a bunch of rabbit well, I was weasels? I'm trying to explain it to you, Ernie. You know, they came in as part of a ship, and of course, they weren't supposed to be a rabbit, you know, but you know how these things happen. No, I don't. How do they happen? Well, watch out, watch out, Ernie. Don't get bit. Yeah. Anyway, we got them, and we need your help. How? We got to get rid of these things. Well, why don't you call an animal shelter? Well, word, get out and hurt my business. You know, that's a bad scene, rabies. I don't think so. I mean, so what? You don't run a pet store. So some lab animals got rabies. Come on. Guys, take them to the pound. Well, I just can't do that. You got you to gotta take my word for it. Skouser here with Matt Owl. On this episode of the first run, Matt and I are going to forge deep Matt into the frontier as we discuss the latest Predator sequel, Prey. In this entry, Matt, a budding Comanche warrior, goes up against one of the fiercest hunters in the universe. Can she take it down? And really, how much Mary Sue BS does the internet stir up this time? Then our Malik marathon continues with the Thin Red Line. This is Malik's fictional story about one of the uh, campaigns in the Guadalcanal battle. I'm really tripping over all of that stuff. And uh, then we're going to see how it stacks up, Matt, against some of the, your classic war films, your Apocalypse Nows, your Platoons, your Saving Private Ryans. There's the big, rousing rundown of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show by sharing our five favorite kind of sequel scenario ideas. We'll explain more as we get into that. But let's go ahead, Matt, and start everything off with a clip from Prey. It's coming. Get oh, your side loose. That sounds terrifying. Matt, let me ask you. <laughs> we are now officially, canonically, is this accurate, with the fifth Predator film? Because I don't think the AVP films are canon. I 
think we they've kind of been wiped out. I'm not sure. Okay. I say they're in. We're at seven. Okay. So, what are your thoughts? Well, actually, let's Chris slow down. I know you get excited. First, tell people what is Prey all about. Uh, so, as you said in the intro, a young uh, Comanche woman who is determined to be co- be considered a hunter and warrior in the tribe is convinced that there's something out there that they need to be worried about, and she begins hunting as part of her. Uh, I guess uh rite of passage hunting something that can hunt her back. And uh, that happens to be a seven foot tall alien. Bad times, man. Mm-hmm. Bad times. So I will say the predator sequels, Matt have been less than great. Right. I don't think any of them have come close to sniffing the greatness of the uh, John McTiernan and Arnold Schwarzenegger's first film. I, have some affection for Predator Two. Mm-hmm. It's very, it is very much a film of its time. Yeah. That '90s kind of schlocky horror stuff. Yeah, I, I started watching it. I didn't get a chance to because I had to switch over for the second film in our marathon today. Uh, but man, it opens up like like a Sega Genesis credits mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. the thing is really cheesy, but also very, as I said, very schlocky. But I enjoy it. Yeah. I think everybody's pretty game, uh, and I forgot that I, I keep. I always say Bill Pullman, but I know in my head, but I know that's Bill Paxton is yeah, in Predator Two. I'd forgotten he he's in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always think of Glover, and of course you think of Busey as right. the uh, big stars in that thing. But either way, I enjoy Predator Two, though it's not great. Predators with Adrian Brody, okay. I mean, it introduces yeah. some interesting Predator characters, but not yeah. not a fan. Yeah, I mean, it's got a. It's. I think it's got a good idea. I think it's marred, unfortunately, by subpar execution. I would agree with that. And then finally, uh, Shane Black's The Predator mm-hmm. is just a disaster. Right. I think it's just a mess, and it's probably my least favorite in the series. Didn't Shane Black write the first one? He's in it. I know he was part of it. Uh, no, he didn't. Okay. Jim and John Thomas wrote the first one, but Shane Black okay. is in the film. Yeah, he's in the film, right? He's the guy with the glasses. Yeah. He's yeah. the one that tells all the dirty jokes. Right. Which I will right. not repeat here because we are <laughs> gentlemen and we are above that kind of uh, <laughs> stuff. So, uh, yeah, I I really do not like The Predator 2. And Fred Decker wrote that along with Shane Black, The Predator. Okay. And it just doesn't work. What? How yeah. How do you feel about those other Predator films? And then yeah, where honestly, would you stack Prey in that list? Yeah, honestly, I think I'm right there with you. I really enjoy the first one. The second one has its kind of nostalgic, cheesy charms that uh, it's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. I think Predators could have been better. I think it's a neat idea, but it just doesn't work very well or executed very well. And then the last one's just kind of a train wreck. If I'm being honest, this is probably the best Predator sequel. This is probably number two, if you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. I think... Predator 2 is maybe still more fun, but this is obviously a a superior film. Oh, hands down. And I think mm. Tregenberg here, who gave us uh, was it 10 Cloverfield Lane, mm-hmm. which is the best sequel in that franchise, may even right. be better than Cloverfield if, mm. if, if, if you really, you know, you forced me to make a call. I think right. it may be a more interesting film than the first Cloverfield. Yeah, I really am impressed with what he's able to pull off with this film and 
what are your thoughts though on Prey? So I, you agree? We agree that it's the, it's the best sequel in the franchise. Yeah. So I'm happy we're there. So what do you think about Tregenberg's film here? Yeah, I like I said, I think it's it's very enjoyable. I think I like the obviously the kind of change of of going into the past, uh, kind of following this uh, Comanche tribe, watching a kind of different level of technology going up against uh, something like this. I, I do also kind of like the touch of the predator seems to have like a, you know, this takes place 300 years ago. It seems to have like a 300 year gap in its technology too. I mean, it's way more advanced, but it's not as good as we've seen in some of the later films. Like the camouflage is not quite as good. He doesn't have a laser gun or a plasma cannon on his shoulder, things like that. And you know, I think all of that is really cool, really well thought out touches. And ultimately, this film knows what it is. It knows that it's it's an action film that's got some horror elements, that's got some suspense. Um, it's got some pretty good little gore scenes in it. I think, honestly, everything about it is is it kind of knows what it set out to do and it executed it pretty well. Yeah, I would agree entirely. I think I love that touch of the technology not being as advanced as it is in the later films. Mm. Lots of smart little moves by Trachtenberg in this film, too. I like there's a, a lot of Easter eggs and homages to the, the original. One direct line lift. But mm-hmm. for some, you know, but you don't, it doesn't bother you. Because, A, I think contextually it works entirely in this yeah. film. And it is something you would say, I really, I think, in some capacity. If, it, you know, it's, well, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. Is that a spoiler? Either way. There's my dog shaking off there. There's, there's a thunderstorm rolling through right now, so she's a little freaked out, poor pup. Gotcha. Either way. No, I think that Drakenberg's film is a is a massive success. Do you think it's... Are, have we been harmed? It's not the right word to say. But I think... He, I, I don't know why they didn't get a theatrical release. I think this would have performed very well in the theaters. The reviews have been outstanding basically across the board. Right, and I think I would love to have seen this in a theater. What, what about you? Have we been robbed of a certain experience? So the two things that I read were were twofold. One, I heard that it was a kind of a play to keep it out of the hands of uh, Warner slash HBO Max slash Discovery because if uh, there's a pre-existing deal where if if 20th century films go theatrical, they get to they get to go to HBO Max when they come off the screen. So I heard that that was a move to try and keep Disney off of it. And then I guess the other thing that I heard is, yeah, it's doing really well because of word of mouth and everything like that. But, you know, does predator have enough juice as it were, like would enough people have really gone and seen this thing in the theaters because of how bad a lot of the sequels have been. Um, and they just assume that it's going to not be good. Um, you know, so I guess that's maybe a thought as well. But I, I mean, those seem like kind of piddly reasons to me. I feel like it really probably should have gone into a uh, theatrical release, given how you know successful it is. I can't believe test screens didn't like this. Is that true? I wasn't aware of that. What? The test screens didn't. Uh... Oh no, no, no! I said I can't imagine that they didn't like it. So oh, I don't I know. I, I would assume that people liked it when they tested the test screenings. I would assume so. I mean, it's a really well done film. It's mm-hmm. it's a simple kind of straightforward roller coaster of a movie with kind of just the right touch of 
emotion and you know family and internal character growth and mm-hmm. i think it has the violence and the, and the gore just the right levels i it's exceptionally well constructed and, and, and this whole process this whole genre this 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 franchise of a film it works brilliantly this way where you can kind of drop it in any kind of scenario right and it potentially will work unfortunately i guess they've mishandled it for a few films now right, right. but this shows you the viability of the franchise if you just do it well yeah and it's just it's just a simple basic concept that Schreckenberg just absolutely nails and I was really impressed and I enjoyed this thing. I think Naru's story feels entirely legit to me. Her arc, even though set in the 1700s, is a member of this Comanche tribe trying to prove herself and expand past the the rigid kind of uh, um, construction, the barriers put upon her as being mm-hmm. a woman in this tribe. It's universal and still timely today. Everything works. If I had any qualms with the film, maybe it's the introduction of the French trappers. Mm-hmm. I did start to wonder, like, uh, are we going to have enough victims here? Right? right. There doesn't right. seem to be a lot of mayhem yet. Yeah. And I think yeah. maybe partly I think that they were introduced to kind of increase the body count. Mm-hmm. But it still felt okay and natural to me. Matt, I need to see the skin and muscles and whatever it is disintegrate off of some skulls when the predator does its trophy collection. That's an integral part of this franchise that you cannot deny me. So, uh, yeah, I think the whole thing really comes together nicely. It works and it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, uh, I don't know what more, what people could more people could want out of this type of a film. I guess if there's one knock, it doesn't have the charisma of Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, well, but that's, that's not. about it. That's really <laughs> the only thing that this thing doesn't bring to the table. Most films don't, unfortunately. Uh, right. That's true. We could uh, throw Arnold into most things like that, with mm-hmm. that movie, Dave, when, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we runs for Kevin Klein is going for president. <laughs> sure. Or push, sure. Sure. Put Arnold in that role. That works for yeah. me. That works, um, yeah. All the president's men have mm-hmm. them replace Woodward or Bernstein. I don't care. Okay. Either one. Okay. Um, yeah. No. What else? Night of the Hunter. You could have Arnold play the Robert Mitchum role. Sure. Absolutely. Rebel without a cause. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's it's a lot of fun. I like to say, I love the, the fun older tech. I like how the camo, like you said, doesn't work exactly right with certain right. aspects. Water, certain yeah. things. I, really, just a lot of fun Smart decisions, all wrapped up in a beautiful little uh, package, Matt. What are your thoughts on the, and I'm happy to say, rather muted, Mary Sue conversations in regards to Prey? Our lead character, Naru, played by Amber Midthunder, possibly Mm -hmm. my favorite name for a Hollywood star of all time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But uh, what are your thoughts on the, what apparently to me is kind of a muted response to that? I'm not even going to say critique because it lends it you know some uh quality so for uh, yeah i'm running the out people of in the here. audience who may not know uh what is a mary sue so it's basically it's a it's a female character who is able to surpass the expectations or her abilities basically it's it's a character who can take down a rather badass villain who is supposedly you know unbeatable type thing but i'm supposed to right. expect that say ray is able to take out the uh, the New Republic, or in this right. case, 
Naru, a young woman, even though a predator can take out Arnold Schwarzenegger's whole squad, this right. young Comanche woman is able to take out a predator. Oh yeah, okay, sure, right. That's yeah, um, you know the idea of a Mary Sue is stupid. Now I'm not going to say that there's never a situation where that kind of uh, Deus Ex Machina kind of thing happens. That's just part of storytelling, and sometimes it can be hand waved away, and sometimes it's just bad. But that's that's true of any kind of character situation you have. I completely bought this. I don't really know what people are saying. I mean, obviously, anybody who is saying that is just because it is a woman protagonist. But, uh, you know, it's completely fine. I mean, nothing seems out of the ordinary. If anything, it just looks like the Predator can, you know, uh, take a lot of punishment, which really surprises me um, how much mm. punishment a Predator can take. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I didn't have any problem with it at all. It didn't even cross my mind. No, and because her a her fighting style, I think, is totally acceptable. But also, she takes advantage of the environments she is already familiar with, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's it's more about her guileness than her Arnold like mystery superpower strength, right? right? That's not what her character is. Right. So it's totally believable when she's fighting an alien predator from another galaxy. All right. Sure. Let's not forget that part. Right? Okay. Sure. <laughs> and I want to give some props to Coco, who is the pup that plays Sari, her uh, dog companion. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he made it all the way through the film. I have sure. no problem giving spoilers for that. Mm-hmm. In case you are concerned about that. She's not an acting dog, by oh, the way. Okay. I don't know if you know that Coco. She was adopted to make this film. She's a Carolina dog that from what I understand or potentially the dogs that assisted the native population in this country prior to its colonization. Okay. So it is even kind of a period-specific pooch, if okay. you will. So, um, yeah, good times there. What did you think of the uh, design of the Predator this time out? I thought the mask was really cool. I liked the fact that it looks like bone. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that was really neat. Um, I, like I said, I like his weapons. Um he looks different enough where it's like when they pull the mask off, you can tell it's not like the same old Predator or whatever. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah, I liked that they've expanded into different kind of, I don't know, species is the right term, mm. but different forms of Predators. Because like yeah. the sequel, they basically looked exactly the same as the first one. Yeah. Uh, but they do start to switch that up with Predators and then this one now too. So that was good. Like you see, I enjoyed the mask. Lots of the changes I think totally worked. So yeah, Matt. I think it's a breath of fresh air for this horror action franchise. I hope they continue with this trend, popping Predators into different time periods, different locales, whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be. In fact, we're going to break that down a little further in our final segment today. But yeah, I'm going to give Prey an A-. I think it's a a boatload of fun. Yeah, Uh, I think I'm going to give it a B+. All right, that shakes out for me. Folks, if you had a chance to see Prey, which is currently streaming on Hulu, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, I feel like we got to do another lounge now because I still have so much I'm so angry about with uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery and all that yeah, stuff. But I don't right. have my thoughts coalesced to mention anything now. But I just the more I see. Listen, physical media, folks, don't be afraid of it. Make sure you're, you're buying your stuff. I'm wondering, like, some of the Soderbergh stuff is going to be really like, Kimmy, I think I need yeah. to buy that now in some capacity, yeah. you know? No. Maybe. So what's going to happen? That Thankfully, like, uh, uh, De Niro, De Niro, Scorsese, the Irishman, is on blu-ray from criterion so some of the yeah. netflix stuff you can get yeah. but i don't know what's gonna happen over there we'll have to see matt coming up on physical media this upcoming tuesday august 16th there's a few interesting things coming out 
but something's coming in 4K that I think Matt might be all over. Well, I was not prepared for that takeoff. Me neither. Ma'am, I apologize for screaming at the top of my lungs. What? A free magazine. What? I have got to read this interview with Don Chiedo. Oh, I love him. You know, that reminds me the other day I said to myself, I cannot think of a famous actress named Trish. You're kidding. That's my favorite name. What? Mine too. How have we never talked about this? To me, a woman named Trish is a woman you can count on. Really has her act together. Athletic, natural. Just real natural. And loves the holidays. Trish? At Christmas? Forget it. She gets everyone a gift. What about Halloween? Ah. Oh. Trish leaves a big pot of candy for the kids. Yeah. Because she, she trusts. trusts. <laughs> She'd be out with her girlfriends. Country dancing. Well, she has a natural sense of rhythm. <laughs> She'd have one ear double pierced and the other just single. So that's right, Matt. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar <laughs> is getting released in UHD. Wow. This upcoming Tuesday. So wow. uh, I know you're looking forward to that one. If you haven't seen Barb and Star folks yet, I'm telling you, check it out. It is a yeah. lot of fun. Just you kind of yeah. prep yourself. It's going to be really silly, but it is quite an entertaining experience. Yeah, I tried. I sat people down. Um, we were together with uh, some of my in-laws and we I put on Barb and Star. Didn't go over well. I don't think they thought it was particularly funny. So <laughs> makes we me to pause. Yeah, we tried it in our household, too, and missed first run about 10 minutes in. She goes, this is stupid. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's, you don't get, Ugh. it's just an argument. It's not a discussion I'm willing to get into at this point sure. anymore. Sure, sure. But it hurt a little bit. It did. <laughs> so uh, August 16th, what do we got coming up? Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone. This is the uh, Ethan Hawke film. Uh, it's getting its Blu-rays. No 4K so far. Uh, could some deleted scenes, uh, some making of featurettes, Shadow Prowler, a short film by Derrickson is included. Also, a feature commentary by Derrickson is on there. IFC and RLJE Films is releasing Paris, 13th District. Emile and, excuse me, I'm going to say, I'm going to see if I'm going to name this. Amélie? Emily? Oh, it's Emily, but it's French. It's got the little mm. accent thing. Mm, okay. Amélie, right? <laughs> Meets Kamal, who is attracted to Noron, who crosses paths with Amber? No, that doesn't make sense. Three girls and a boy. They're friends, sometimes lovers, and often both. Kind of like in you and I. No. Baby Assassins, Will Go USA is being released. Chisato and Mahalu are two high school girls who are about to graduate, Matt. They also happen to both be highly skilled assassins. When the organization they work for orders them to share a room, their relationship begins to turn sour. Frank and Penelope, a tale of love and violence when a man on his emotional last legs finds his savior seductively dancing in a rundown strip club, and a life most certainly headed for off a cliff suddenly becomes redirected, as everything is now worth dying for. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is putting out Daddy Long Legs. A father juggling his kids with the rest of his responsibilities is ultimately faced with the choice of being their father or their friend. Mm. Do you have to deal with that, Matt, a lot with uh, Little First Run or First Run Junior? Not yet. No. No, not yet. Okay, fair. Includes a 4K digital transfer. Now, this is a Safdie Brothers film, one of their earlier efforts, Matt. Includes new interviews with the actors involved in the film, a documentary from 2017, um, footage from Sage and Frey Ronaldo's first meeting with actor Ronald Bronstein, uh, some deleted scenes, a short, another short film called There's Nothing You Can Do from the Safdies and more. Here's the one I don't quite understand. Johnny Mnemonic in black and white. This is the uh, Kahanu Reeves film. This is yeah. supposedly the director's cut. Supposedly he had intended it to be in black and white originally. 
Okay. So this is him putting it out now. Which is odd because the color version, the normal version, John Mnemonic, is out of print. So you can't really even get it. But you can buy the black and white version now. Okay. Fair enough. So you think wouldn't you just do like a double pack or give both options on a d I don't I don't understand it. Sony's putting out Denise Calls Up. This is directed by Hal Salwin, featuring Tim Daly. Uh Kino Lorber's putting out electric excuse me, that's not correct, Matt. Stop mispronouncing things. It's Electra Glide in Blue. It's a brand new 4K restoration. It's about an Arizona motorcycle cop who gets his wish and is promoted to the homicide unit following the mysterious murder of a hermit. He's forced to confront his illusions about himself and those around him in order to solve the case. Includes an audio commentary by the screenwriter Robert Boris and a couple new interviews and a legacy audio commentary as well. Samson and the Seven Miracles of the World is being released by Kino. Includes two versions of the film, the international cut at 98 minutes and the U.S. cut at 76 also features a new audio commentary by novelist and critic Tim Lucas. Kino's putting out Coming Apart, featuring Rip Torn and Sally Kirkland. This is the Milton Moses Ginsburg film. Gets a brand new 2K restoration, as well as a couple uh, short films by Ginsburg. And an experimental feature by Ginsburg called Cron Along the Avenue of Time. Kino's not done yet, Matt, though. They're also putting out They Went That Away and That Away, also known as Inside Out. This is a Tim Conway film. And also, uh, Kill a Dragon, featuring Jack Palance, is being released by Kino. Code Red is putting out The Boyfriend School, or as I am familiar with it, Don't Tell Her It's Me. This is the uh, Steve Gutenberg film, uh, where he, I guess he ends up playing like a badass biker to try and impress a girl. I just clearly remember the VHS cover of this going okay. into Carl's video in Meriden. I never watched it. I just really remember it. Also features Jamie Gertz, Shelley Long, Kyle MacLachlan, and Madgenomic. Lots of big people in that one, yeah. especially at the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Some catalog stuff, Matt. What's Eating Gilbert Great, Coneheads, and then uh, What Women Want, the uh, Mel Gibson movie. I always thought when they made that sequel, What Men Want, that the yeah. women can hear the thoughts. I was convinced that should have been a horror film. <laughs> but they made that a romantic comedy as well. Right, right. But it would right. be a horror film, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess, depending on who you're listening to. I guess so. I guess it yeah. tells you a little bit about me and Matt there. UHDs, your 4K is coming out. Shout Select is putting Red Dawn, the OG. Not that atrocious version with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Right. Man, that's one of the worst films I've seen like in the past 10, 15 years. That Red really? Dawn remake. Yeah, it's not good. Have you seen it? Yeah, no. I've seen it. It's not good at all. Oh, no, it's horrible. But uh, Shout Select's putting out the uh, OG. Uh, Best Buy has a Steelbook as well. Get a brand new 4K restoration from the original camera negative. And uh, some making of featurettes and interviews on the Blu-ray disc. Shout is also putting out Child's Play 1, 2, and 3. Okay. Now, Shout's really doing it up, Matt. They have their box sets with like CD or, excuse me, vinyl soundtracks. But it's like one or two songs, which is like their thing to do, which I don't quite understand. Okay. And then uh, like lithographs and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, or you can buy just the individual discs. Uh, all films get 4K restorations. But uh, in Dolby Vision HDR presentations and Dolby Atmos tracks, they all feature uh, audio commentaries. The uh, part two has an additional scene from the broadcast version. And part three has additional scenes, plural, from the broadcast Ooh. version as well. So uh, I will not be picking these up. I have the, I think, do I have them all digitally? I think I do. I like the first one. I think the first one's really good. 
Yeah. And then I actually like the, was it parts four and five when they get okay. really leaning into the satire and comedy? But two and three, I don't, I don't think are very good at all. Where are you in the Child's Play franchise? And I haven't seen the show yet, though. I hear it's probably quite good. Yeah. I haven't seen the show. Um, I've seen the first one. I thought it's pretty fun, but I don't, I don't, God, I, I know I've seen some of the other ones, but I can't remember anything about them. So it should show you how rarely I vis- revisit them or think about them. There you go. Also coming up in 4K, Heavy Metal, the uh, British animated oh, yeah. film. Mm-hmm. And then the individual release of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And then, of course, as we mentioned the opening, uh, Barb and Star getting a 4K release. Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. They're still coming, Matt. Where are we in the Sniper franchise, Matt? How many films are we at? Give me a number. Uh, nine. Are we at nine yet? Bam! Nailed it. Sniper, wow. Rogue Mission. The ninth film in the series is being released when a crooked federal agent is involved in a human sex trafficking ring. Sniper and CAA rookie sniper Brandon Beckett go rogue, teaming up with his former allies, Homeland Security Agent Zero and Assassin Lady Death. Sweet Christ, did I write this in high school? They go to uncover the corrupt agent and then take down the criminal organization. You know, the first film, Matt, came out the year I graduated high school, 1993. Tom Verger. Wow, that's pretty impressive. There you go. What should we be streaming this week? So I finally caught up with Netflix version of The Sandman. I'm about seven episodes in. And I can tell you that, folks, it's actually really good. And it was really, really faithful uh, to the um, comics, at least in those first six episodes that I've seen. This basically covers the first two volumes, Preludes and Nocturnes and The Doll's House. And I've been really impressed so far. I really, really enjoy it. My only complaint is because of rights reasons, no John Constantine, which they do call well, him Constantine. They do? Yeah. After our discussion last week. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I read that the reason why it's Johanna, or is it mm-hmm. Johanna Constantine? Uh, I think it's Johanna Constantine, yeah. I read that it was, I don't know if it was Gaiman or the guy who did the show, mm-hmm. that they just, it was easier to kind of condense it and have it played yeah. by the same actress. Right. And they like the idea of having a female version. Mm-hmm. And then you get the issue with, what is his name, Matt? It's not Matt Lucas. Clearly, that would be really funny if Matt Lucas was playing Constantine. Matt, whatever it is. The guy who played right. it in the DC show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's just for continuity and ease of filming and yeah. stuff. They just stick with two. They stick with the same actress. Yeah, Plus, I understand so, all that. They were so impressed with her as well as mm-hmm. Johanna. I understand all that, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same. I, 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 that's the only thing I have. I, I don't have a problem with the actress. I think I understand why they did it. I think she did a fine job, but it's just not John Constantine. It's just not the same. Mm, she's not as I've much heard... of a bastard. Oh, she's not? Oh, that's no, too she, bad. Doesn't, she doesn't give that bastard vibe off, though. So That's too bad. I got to check it out, man. I'm just... Uh, it's on the list. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I got to watch last night's Better Call Saul yet. Mm-hmm. Only two episodes left. The, la- the this most recent one, and then next week. And I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do after that ends. Right. And uh, we'll I watch the Sandman. Else. Yeah, I guess I'll shift to that. I thought I had something else. I still haven't watched Miss Marvel though. Mm, true. I this is better putting... than Miss Marvel. Okay, I put. A, yeah. You know what I've been doing, like with the, with uh, dishes, doing dishes and stuff, is the the kill list, or if, like I have to do my finances. You know. Yeah. But I put all that together for the month. I have yeah. the Kill List on that Amazon show with Chris Pratt. Okay, not good, not very good. Not good, but no. it's 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 fine. Dad tainment. It's not okay. Reacher. Yeah, entertaining. Right, but 
you know, it's it's. Yeah. How was that uh, Amazon series of Reacher? Not good. Not good. No. No, nah, it's it's. I mean, I enjoyed aspects of it, and I think it's funny because it's one of the few times that I read the source material first. I had read the book that it's based on. It was okay. I think the problem is the guy who was playing Reacher, whose name I'm blanking on, he played Hawk in the Titans show that I watched, like, what, two episodes of? I didn't like it. Tried to pick it up, got through six episodes, dropped it again because I just don't care for it. He plays Hawk there, and I just think he's he's a massive guy. Seems like a nice guy, but really, I don't know if it's a script, but you can't seem to act his way out of a paperback. It's just really bad. Yeah, but it's bad. like one of the number one rated shows on Netflix. Excuse me, on Amazon Prime. So, really? but yeah, That's Kill surprising. List Two is really popular, supposedly too, on there. But not Kill List. What is it called? Kill List is the, uh, the movie Terminal by list? what's his name? What is it? The ter- Terminal, Terminal List. Yeah, yeah, Terminal List. Thank yeah. you. Kill well, there's list no is accounting for by, uh, what's his name. There's no uh, accounting for taste of boomers. So what can you say? I'm not a boomer though. Well, I don't like it. So there you go. All right. Yeah. Good time, but I keep watching it. Shoot us an email feedback at the first run. I don't know why I said that. I don't usually say that as part of this segment, Matt. Let's go ahead and try and salvage this show and talk a little bit about our good buddy Terry Malick's return to cinema after 20 years Mm. after Days of Heaven with the Thin Red Line. I feel sorry for you, kid. Yeah. Yeah, a little. This army's gonna kill you. You're smart, you take care of yourself. There's nothing you can do for anybody else. Just running into a burning house where nobody can be saved. What difference do you think you can make one single man in all this madness? If you die, it's gonna be for nothing. There's not some other world out there where everything's gonna be okay. There's just this one. Just this rock. So, Matt, Terrence Malick returns after a 20-year hiatus. He goes to Paris. Now, he's not quiet this whole time, right? He's working on stuff. He's developed a script for a film for Paramount called Q that never actually gets made. Though, From what I understand, he farms it for the Tree of Life. He writes mm-hmm. some other scripts. Um, I think he just like, wrote a play adaptation. He does a lot of stuff. There's a script for like a Jerry Lee Lewis movie. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. But nothing really ever comes together or pans out. Mm-hmm. And then he comes across the uh, book, The Thin Red Line by James Jones. And then we get this war film. All right. This is a uh, kind of a generally fictionalized account of some happenings and goings on at the Battle of the Guadalcanal. Right. And features an all-star cast. Sean Penn, Adrian Brody, Jim Caviezel before Jim Caviezel went crazy. I guess he has to say the same thing about Sean Penn. Well, Penn was always mm. nuts. Uh, ben Chaplin, George Clooney, who I have to admit, throughout the whole thing, the only person who seems horribly miscast and doesn't work, it's Clooney. No right. bueno, Clooney yeah. in this film. But thankfully, yeah. he's in it for 45 seconds at the end of the movie. Right. So it's that's totally fine. John C. Riley, Elias Coteus, Woody Harrelson, John Cusack, Nick Nolte, and I think one of the best performances of his entire career. 
Uh, and then Travolta shows up, who I think may be a little shaky too. Yeah. Either way, Matt. Terrence Malick's war film, The Thin Red Line. I want to ask you, did you watch it loud? Because on my Criterion set, the most recent Criterion sale, I knew we were doing this marathon, so I bought the disc at the Barnes okay. & Noble sale. All right. And there is a note in there that says basically, that st- when the movie starts, is that it says T- Terrence recommends you watch this film loud, basically. Okay. So yeah. I cranked up the volume for myself in my headphones. Did you watch it loud? As loud as I could get it, yeah. Good it for you. fun. Yeah, I did my best. So what are your thoughts on The Thin Red Line? And is it one of the greatest war films you've ever seen? So I will remember... So I saw this when it came out, and I think this really suffered in comparison kind of historically um, because this came out the same year that Saving Private Ryan did, which is a much more... I guess pro-American, pro-war, cavalier kind of look at some of this stuff. And obviously it's um, much more intense. Like, I mean, just the violence and kind of realism of the battle scenes are, are very intense. So I think this film gets unfairly kind of lumped into that at the time. And I remember at the time I didn't really like it very much, but watching it now with the benefit of decades in between, you know what? I think I didn't give it a fair shake. You know, it's got those same kind of sweeping shots of this tropical paradise, you know, that's being blown up um, and it's covered in death and the actors in it are, most of them are quite good to excellent. Um, I think James Caviezel is very good in this, in his role. Um, And honestly, it's just a, a very poignant, look at like the kind of atrocities of war, the pointlessness of it with just kind of juxtaposed against Malick's kind of beatific vision of how he makes his films. It's, it's quite a thing to behold. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, man. I think that you talk about stuff like paths of glory and which is, I think is one of the best older war films. And I want to caveat this by saying I have not watched come and see yet, Mm. which I own of course, Mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, but I have yet to watch it. Sure. Which is considered to be one of, if not the greatest war film, or particularly maybe anti-war films ever mm-hmm. made. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll try and squeeze it in now instead of trying to re- run through the Predator franchise again. Which, I don't know why I do this to myself. But Matt, there were, I don't know how many times, numerous times I'm watching this thing and my mouth is legit agape. It's open mm-hmm. and I'm like stunned by the craft and the beauty of this film. And unlike Private Ryan, I think, where, as you said, there's a jingoism to it, perhaps mm-hmm. even a, a air of nobility, the greatest generation, right? Spielberg yeah. wants to illustrate these those men in the greatest possible light. And he really goes for the Spielberg touches, the swelling music, the heroics moments, the shots. And Malick is not interested in any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. This is just a bunch of guys struggling with with their own mortality and what they're doing here. And it's just a film about chaos and misery and lost boys and men. And against the backdrop of just some of the most stunning visual poetry in a film I think I may have ever seen. And it's an unflinching work, Matt, of relentless art, of beauty and horror. It has an intimacy, I think, that Spielberg doesn't come close to capturing in mm-hmm. Private Ryan. I mean, he he pulls on the heartstrings with the whole point of that film, trying to yeah. rescue the last surviving kid or this family, right? Right. But it still lacks the 
I think emotional intimacy that Thin Red Line does. I think Private Ryan manipulates you, mm-hmm. while I think the Thin Red Line doesn't. It shows all this to us. And I, I know there's still a level of manipulation there. It may be fine. Maybe it's more subtle. I'm not sure. But this may be, for me, the greatest war film I've ever seen. It's mm. It really just hit me on a, on a gut level. I mean, Malik's not so concerned with telling an accurate story about this campaign. He's more interested in telling the story about the lies of these men who are searching for something to give them the strength to persevere and to, to go on and in the end, possibly even just survive Yeah. against this backdrop of these gorgeous shots. I mean, it's Malik. So, you know, that's what you're going to get. Right. And it is just a stunning film. I was blown away by this. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at the juxtaposition, especially even the way that those two kind of uh, 1998 war films are shot, right? So Private Ryan is very muted colors, very intentional, Mm -hmm. kind of grainy, kind of makes it look like it's an old kind of uh, newsreel type of footage, right? It's very washed out, yeah. mm -hmm. Whereas this is, the colors are very lush everything is very bright it's very saturated and it just kind of gives you sense of like you know if there weren't people blowing each other up this seems like a fun place to be like this is a place that i'd want to go on vacation you know kind of thing so it's 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 just that kind of juxtaposition of that kind of you know uncaring beauty of the natural world versus what we do to it is is just kind of one of the the lessons there and it's just i don't know i i I really wish this thing would get a 4K treatment because I feel like this deserves a 4K treatment, but I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, maybe Criterion will come around to it and do that. I don't know. I hope you're right. I would upgrade this, even though I just bought it basically last month. Yeah, I would upgrade this to a UHD if it came out. I mean, it is incredible. It's I was absolutely blown away by this. All the decisions Malik makes in this film, it's just like... The one that probably caught me by surprise the most, maybe in the in the arc that I was so probably most fascinated by, not Elias Coteus as the captain, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that was really interesting, or Jim Caviezel as he's kind of do the right thing, but maybe Ben Chaplin when he has his wife waiting for him in the love yeah. story between the two of them, and then what happened? It's just it shattered, it's a gut punch. and I it is it is such a, yeah, I, just an incredible experience. And uh, it made this entire... Not that I would expected it to be any less. I, unlike you, I'd never seen this before, okay. clearly. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It made this entire marathon worthwhile, even if the rest of the films are duds, that this... I am so glad uh, we were able to check this out. So, uh, briefly, too, I want to talk about Zimmer's score. It's one of those where kind of the whole film, it's a variation of the same, same theme, uh, almost throughout the entire thing, but it is such a good one, you know, mm-hmm. and the way too they describe it, I was watching some of the special features on this, how Malik wanted the, the music to be kind of like a river and flows through and kind of rises as the moment is requires it. And it's true. And it totally does. So uh, incredible stuff, Matt. I'm giving the Thin Red Lion an A+. I really, I love it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it an A. Uh, it is a it is a uh, stunning achievement, and it may end up being all downhill from here. But at least you know this uh, is a, definitely a high point that was worth the the price of admission. There you go. 
If you had a chance to see the thin red line, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Just an email at feedback at the first Okay. Matt, I had this idea. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I had this idea. Uh, we was checking out some of the discussions on Prey online on Twitter. And somebody had posted this that we should do this with more franchises. And they wrote, mm-hmm. like, imagine Hellraiser in the Victorian era. Right. And I'm like, wow, that would be awesome. So then mm-hmm. I popped it over to you, and that's how we came up with this segment. So Matt and I are going to discuss some horror franchises, maybe not just horror, who knows, but different sequel scenarios and different times and places that we would like to see. The box. You opened it. We came. It's just a puzzle box! Oh no. It is a means to summon us. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. It was a mistake! I didn't, I didn't mean to help, but it, it was a mistake! You can go We can't. No, no, no. You solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. Tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Uh, <laughs> All right, man. That, of course, is a clip from uh, Hellraiser. Uh, probably my favorite Clive Barker associated film. Mm-hmm. I don't get Nightbreed at all. There are a lot of Nightbreed fans out there. Even the director's yeah. cut of that, I think, is yeah. not good. Yeah. Where are you in the Hellraiser franchise? Though I confess, I've only seen the first three. I yeah. think there's been like four more, and I've never seen them. So yeah, the the quality drops uh, very very far from from the <laughs> from the first one. I really love the first film. I think it's a, a great kind of nasty little '80s horror film. Other than that, I think uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think there's very little of Clive Barker's uh, uh, films that really translate well um, into. I guess the next best one is probably Lord of Illusion, and that's still not great. Yeah. Have you read yeah. any of the books he's written? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, are there any I that re- you uh, think are really good? So like his most famous ones are obviously this, which is the Hellbound Heart. His Books of Blood, which are very graphic, a, a series of, of uh, short stories. I thought the Damnation game was pretty good. And then I liked his kind of move to kind of dark fantasy. Um, so like uh, um, The Great and Secret Show is, is a pretty good is a pretty good work. So, yeah, I started reading because I'm trying to read more. I think it'll mm-hmm. help keep my brain going instead sure. of just watching movies all the time. And right. So I started reading uh, Stephen King's Night Shift, and I'm enjoying okay. that so far. But I thought yeah. about going to the, the Books of Blood. Though I've had Jack Ketchum's uh, off-season on my okay. uh, shelf for about 15 years. Okay. And I've never read it. <laughs> I, I bought it for a trip, and then I never read it on the trip, and it's just been on okay. my shelf ever since. There you go. You so. might as well pull it down. Pull it off the shelf. Good times. All right, Matt. I'll go ahead and start us off. We'll give you the ultimate number one. Okay. So I do have a fair amount of Predator in my list. Okay. But I'm going to start things off with um, the Predator versus Vikings. Mm. Uh, I think would uh, be something really worth watching. Again, maybe more primitive technology. Maybe too close to uh, Prey. But I love the idea of the Predators going up against like a, a group of... I don't know if it would, it's appropriate to say like world conquering Vikings and some mm. Nordish thing and Nordish thing and what would be the, the 15, 1400s. 
yeah. um, would be uh, something to behold for sure. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, all right, so I did like your Hellraiser idea. There actually is in one of the sequels, there is Hellraiser in like the, I want to say like 1700s. Um, not really Victorian times, but that's when the, the box is made. It's kind of like the history of the box. Um, but yeah. I think it would be even cool to have one that went back to... Um, even further than that. So I'm thinking like a medieval Hellraiser, like during the Spanish Inquisition or something. Ooh. Like where you had like, uh, you know, sinners thrown to the box kind of thing. And of course it obviously, you know, gets out and, uh, you know, chaos ensues. I think it would be a really cool um, kind of juxtapose the real life tortures that they inflict on people versus what the, the box represents. No, that's a solid one. So I would then kind of continuing that sort of... Mm would go with uh, pre-Russian and maybe during Russian Revolution mm. with uh, St. Catherine, or St. Catherine, but with the Queen and then Rasputin sure. particularly, maybe yeah. having the box itself. Yeah, that'd be And cool. then uh, summoning uh, Pinhead and the rest of the uh, Hellraisers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, them maybe being one of the instigations of the uh, Russian Revolution. I also mm. kind of went back and forth between that and the American Revolution. Yeah. Would be interesting with that too. Maybe the founding fathers uh, yeah. finding one of the having one of the puzzle boxes. But something about ins- inserting Rasputin as part yeah. of that is what really ap- uh, appealed to me. So that's something I'd be interested in checking out. And it kind of makes sense from a historical perspective, considering what happened to the Tsar and his family. You know, that could mm-hmm. kind of play into it some too. Yeah, that's really what happened to the Tsar's yeah. family. Was uh, right. yeah, exactly yeah. the chains shooting out of the uh, walls or whatever. Exactly. Right. Um, all right, so my number four then is um, kind of the ultimate version of uh, Rome watching the barbarians crest the hill um, with barbarians at the gate kind of thing. And instead, make it a Night of the Living Dead zombie movie um, mm-hmm. in, in ancient Rome. I think uh, that would work out pretty well. And honestly, I feel like the Romans would be able to fight it off pretty well. I think they'd probably do a lot better than modern technology did. Um, so I think it'd be kind of fun to see a bunch of centurions and Tetsudos uh, uh, slashing off heads in the middle of the streets of Rome. That would be interesting. I hadn't thought of that. And also would be good too. maybe a, uh, this of course would probably be politically a nightmare, but have one side of maybe not both sides. I'm not sure, but some type of zombie versus the, uh, during the crusades, which I hadn't yeah. even thought of might be really interesting too. That'd be cool too, yeah. Uh, but my number three is I'm dropping a predator into feudal Japan mm. and having them fight with a, some samurai, maybe a ronin. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but um, having them drop into one of the uh, the uh, houses in feudal Japan, and having to fight through all that stuff, I think would be really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, just the visuals of that, like a you know Kurosawa tackling uh, a predator. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is maybe blasphemy for me to say. But sure. you got Mifune going yeah. up against one would be uh, something to see. That's for sure. All right. Well, I'm gonna one. I'm gonna take your predator in feudal Japan, and I'm gonna one up you as an alien in, in feudal Japan. I think uh, you would have uh, kind of getting hunted down. Uh, maybe like some uh, samurais slash ninjas or something getting kind of picked off one by one by the alien. I think that would be pretty cool. And having to kind of go up against this thing with swords and you know, I think that'd be a lot of fun. That would be yeah, that would be fun. I do. I just think of it as for mine. It's a oh, here it is, Matt. So it's a Ronin. He's been his his owner's has been murdered, right? And they don't mm. they think maybe he did it, but it was actually a predator. So yeah. now he's roaming the front the the countryside, hunting down this predator as it goes from village to village. And that'd be pretty cool. Oh, wow, we got to make this movie. Okay. Yeah. So my number two then, and I can't. I keep going back and forth. I can't make the call on this. 
I think I'm going to go Civil War, but it's zombies during the mm. Civil War. I was going Black Plague, yeah, but I think the Civil War might be more interesting. Yeah. And the North having to fight a horde of uh, zombie confederates. <laughs> that'd be kind of awesome. <laughs> would be something I'm uh, interested in. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. So my number two then is, um, unfortunately, all of these actors are all too old or some of them have unfortunately passed away. Many of them have unfortunately passed away. Maybe all of them have passed away. Um, but near dark in the American West, um, like if they mm. were still around, it's kind of like a true uh, kind of a bandit group, uh, you know, terrorizing the old West. I think that would be really cool. A bunch of nasty ass vampires, uh, you know, vampire gang in, in the old West. Yeah. I kept going back and forth on doing vampires, but we have had vampire movies in lots of different scenarios or time sure. times and stuff. So I, that's why I ended up running with it. And I was trying to come up with something with the old West too. And I don't know, nothing really jumped out at me. I mean, you yeah. could pop zombies in anywhere, I guess. Right. But yeah, I just didn't really appeal to me. So my number one then is I'm dropping a predator into uh, behind enemy lines in Germany in world war two. Ah. This time the predator wins and kills mm-hmm all the Nazis in this yeah. one area <laughs> yeah. and leaves as a hero with, um, I don't know what Rommel's head, um, <laughs> on a stick or something. I don't know, sure. but sure. I would the uh, yeah, I, I, there's something appealing to me of a predator going in and wiping out a whole bunch of, uh, Nazis. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. They should get the win for a change. Get the double. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they take too many L's. They take too many L's. <laughs> too many. Um, all right, so my number one, I mean, this is basically the plot of the original Wolfman, but I feel Ooh. like it should be an American werewolf in Victorian London. I think uh, not just kind of like kind of take just the kind of basic premise of an American werewolf in London and just transport it to Victorian London. Uh, I think all the kind of, you know, uh, gaslight and fog and, and kind of mood and atmosphere would be really cool uh, to have like a true monster loose in London kind of a uh, thing. That would be fun. You know what it makes me really I think of it too? I got to rewatch that. I bought it a year ago when it was like four bucks on iTunes. It's mm. time after time that uh, the Nicholas Meyer movie with H.G. Um, Wells chasing oh, okay. Jack the Ripper into uh, modern right. day. Interesting. Uh, was it the United okay. States? I think it is. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a lot of fun. So which makes me think, would you rather see an alien movie on, on the Millennium Falcon mm. or on the Death Star? Or would you rather see an alien in on the Enterprise? Which would be the more interesting? Uh, I feel like there. aliens on the Enterprise, Kirk yeah, versus yeah. an I alien. It, I think Star Trek and <laughs> aliens would be a better would be a better uh, fit. And you know what? You don't have to wonder because I believe there is a comic series out there where they mash up aliens and Star Trek. Yeah. Oh really? Interesting. Would would Spock do like a mind meld on the? Alien not well. Theme? I mean, I would hope not. Uh, but I could just see them trying to like we come in peace and how many red shirts would be slaughtered as they try and. Oof. Not uh, not not Starfleet. This thing, hundreds, yes. not all of them. Absolutely. Are there any of them that didn't make the cut no, for you? That was basically my list. I didn't have any honorable mentions this time around. Yeah, I was thinking about. I know we went with World War Two, but I had a specific one where I was putting a predator in mm. the invasion of Normandy. Um, then I had uh, the old school, the comic book they actually made, which is Predator mm. versus Batman. There, I still yeah. would like to see that That'd at some funny. point. Um, maybe a a haunted or possessed uh mm-hmm. slave ship during the transatlantic slave trade i think might be really interesting and then finally shackleton and his crew 
coming across the mm. alien thing first and uh, working its way through that crew and then having to refreeze itself when it realizes it has cool. no way out because the ship gets stuck in yeah, the that'd be uh, cool. water. That'd be really cool. Those are my ideas. Those are our ideas. What are yours? What property would you transport to another place or time? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. Then we'll go to Johnny Hollywood and see if he we get a lot something of going on these. Yes, we've given him a lot of content over the years. Matt, which, what's going on with the big show next well, week? Um, we're going to try and catch up with uh, Bullet Train, with something which we were supposed to watch this week, but I got the, the Rona, so that put a kibosh on that. Uh, we're also going to watch Bodies, 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 and our next entry in the uh, marathon is Malik's The New World. Mm-hmm. Another film that I have owned for, mm-hmm. I think, two years now mm-hmm. that I have not watched. So I am very excited to yeah. catch up with that. Uh, we were talking about doing Day Shift, which is the Jamie Foxx mm, okay. vampire movie. But we're going to put that on okay. hold for now because we're going to be doing, as I said, as Matt said, Bullet Train and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So uh, we'll have to see how that all shakes out. In the meantime, you can find us on thefirstrun.com. You can find the uh, report cards there as well as an archive of all our old shows. Then hover over to uh, Apple Podcast to give the show a review and help other people find the show. And then we're available on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, do a search for the first run, scroll, 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 eventually you'll find us. And I guess that's going to okay. be it, Matt, uh, for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Matt, I'm glad to see you're up and around. I'm confident I didn't give you COVID yeah. through the internet, but I, yeah, I you never know. I'm sure it wasn't you. Fair enough. All right, well, rest up, and everybody else, take care of yourselves. We love you very much, and we will see you soon. than I was looking, but there are so many gorgeous men there. We're talking Tommy Bahama from head to toe. Tommy Bahama.